All right, well, we're there in 2 Samuel chapter number 5, and I'd like you to look down at verse number 10, 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 10. We dealt last week on Wednesday night, we dealt with the first part of 2 Samuel 5, and we actually went all the way to verse 16. So we're going to start in verse number 17, but I just want to show you verse 10. Uh, the Bible says, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Notice verse number uh, 12. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. And here's what I want you to understand as we kind of get into uh, the, the rest of this chapter tonight, is that David is in a good place in life. He uh, is being very successful in his life and his ministry, the work that God has given him to do. The Bible tells us there that he was growing great. The Lord was with him. The Lord was helping him. He's able to understand that it was God that brought him to this place and God established him and where he was. And here's what you need to understand. Sometimes when people get in a place in life where they are succeeding, sometimes when people get to a place in life where things are going well, business is good, your job is good, your marriage is going well, your children are doing fine. Sometimes when we get in places where we would say, man, th things are looking nice, God is blessing, the Lord is growing us, things are going well, even in the church world, the attendances are up, the offerings are up, we have a, a good group of soul winners out, whatever that is. Whenever people get to the place where they are succeeding in life, Often, there's a very dangerous place to be in because they stop doing the things that got them to that place of success. They quit doing the things that made them successful to begin with, and as a result, they begin to fail in life, and things begin to go wrong, and things begin to go uh, astray because they're not doing. You see, when you, when you first start a church, and you've got five people coming to your living room, it's sink or swim, you know? I mean, you, you're going to go soul winning because you need to go soul winning. But when 189 people are showing up on Sunday morning, all of a sudden now, now there's a tendency to maybe stop doing what you were doing when you weren't succeeding. There's a tendency to quit doing what you weren't doing when things weren't going well. And here's what you need to understand. Being successful in any area of life, whether it's marriage, parenting, financially, health-wise, your children, ministry, whatever it is, being successful requires effort. It requires work. But you know what? Staying successful also requires effort. And staying successful and maintaining a good relationship with your spouse and maintaining a good relationship with your children and maintaining a church that is thriving and growing and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, hey, that requires work as well. And often we stop doing. When we start succeeding, we stop doing. And here's what happens. And I've seen, you know, I've been pastoring now for a little bit over uh, or almost five and a half years, almost six years uh, uh, now. And I've seen it all, you know, you, you, I've seen it so many times, even in our short lifespan of our church and ministry here. People show up to church and their marriages are falling apart. Their finances are a mess. They don't have work. They don't have this. And they are hungry. I mean, they want the things of God. They want to come to church. But then they get a car. And then they get, you know, they're able to move out of wherever they were living into their own place. And then they get a job. And they start succeeding a little bit. And things start getting a little better. And all of a sudden, they, start, they stop doing the things that got them to that place. And it's like, you need, you, I need work, so I'm in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You got a job, now you don't see them anymore. And here's what I always think to myself. I think to myself, they're just going to go back to being unsuccessful 
Because it's God the one that profits us. It's God the one that helps us. I mean, if you're a Christian, it's God the one that, you know, every good gift comes from above is what the Bible says. And I want to give you from this passage tonight just three things that we see David do while he's successful. And there are three things that we should all be doing when we're succeeding, when things are going well. When things are, 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 are going our way, there are three things that we can see from this passage. I'd like you to notice them in the, in the scripture here. There are three things we see David doing, three things that you and I need to be doing. Hey, three things that Verity Baptist Church needs to be doing. Things are going well for Verity Baptist Church right now. Now, we're getting ready to go into summer, you know, and the attendance might drop a little bit. We're getting ready, to, you know, and I, and I understand that, and we get all that. But listen, uh, we need to know not just to do what to do when we're failing. We need to know what to do when we're succeeding. So look at verse number 17 there, 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 17. Notice what the Bible says. But when the Philistines, if you don't mind underlining your Bible, I'd like you to underline that word, Philistines. Here's what I think when I, when I read that verse. But when the Philistines, here's what I thought. These guys again? I mean, notice, but when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all, notice all the Philistines, you got to underline that word, Philistines, came up to seek David. Notice, they heard that David had been anointed king. They heard that David had gotten a promotion. They heard that David had got that job that he was looking for. They heard that things are going. You need to understand this. Some people aren't going to clap for you when you're winning. Be wary of those people. Some people want to see you fail. There's people when we started our church. There was nothing they would have liked more in the world than to see Verity Baptist Church fail. To see us not succeed. And you know, they don't like to hear. They don't like to hear the report of things are going well. They don't like to hear the report of the baptisms and the salvations. They don't, they don't, they don't like it when we put on our Facebook page, we had 200 people in church on Sunday morning, praise the Lord. They don't, there's people that don't like that. And there's people that don't like it when you succeed. And you just got to understand that. We've got an enemy out there. His name is the devil. And he doesn't like to hear good news coming from the people of God. And here you've got the Philistines. They hear... That David was anointed king, and notice, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the whole, notice verse 18, and uh, verse 18, the Philistines, I'd underline that word if I were you, Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. You say, well, what's the big deal about the Philistines? Here's the problem with the Philistines. David's been fighting these guys since 1 Samuel 17. Remember Goliath? David's been fighting the Philistines... For a long time now. And here's what I need you to understand. David was fighting the Philistines when he was a shepherd boy. But now that he is the king, guess what? He's still fighting the Philistines. See, sometimes we get this idea like, well, I I, got to fight this battle, and I've got to fight this sin, and I've got to fight this enemy, and I've got to get through this battle. You know, right now, I'm kind of in shepherd boy status. Right now, I'm kind of a shepherd boy life. Right now, I'm not in charge. Right now, I'm not successful. Right now, I'm not promoted. Right now, I don't don't have that. But one day, I'm going to get promoted. And one day, God's going to lift me up. And one day, I'm going to have that job. And one day, I'm going to have that wife, or I'm going to have that husband, or I'm going to have that child, or I'm going to have those children. And one day, God's going to help me. And when that happens, when I succeed, I won't have to fight those battles anymore. But I'm here to tell you, David was fighting the Philistines when he was a shepherd boy. And when he was a king, he was still fighting the Philistines. 
say, well, why is that? Here's why it is. And go with me to the book of Hebrews. Keep your place there in 2 Samuel. That's where we're going to be for tonight. But if you start in the the book of Hebrews in the Old Testament, if you go backwards from the book of Revelation, you can go past Jude, past 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, past 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 12. When you get to Hebrews, do me a favor. Put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something in Hebrews because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it, okay? So make sure you can get back to Hebrews so we can move quickly tonight. But let me give you the first point tonight, things that successful people learn to do while they're succeeding. Number one, if you wouldn't mind writing this down, I'd appreciate it. If you're able to write down or take notes, if you don't have a baby on your lap, I'd encourage you to write this statement down. Successful people stay successful by being willing to keep fighting the same battles. You've got to be willing to fight the same battles. You've got to be willing. You you cannot get to the place and say, the Philistines again? Didn't we already have the David and Goliath? Didn't we already fight that battle? But the Philistines are back. And David says, well, I I fought them when I was a shepherd boy. Now I'm a king, but I'm going to fight them again. And even in this chapter, they come back again. And they come back again. And David stayed successful by being willing to fight the same battles. Are you there in Hebrews chapter 12? Like you notice verse number one. See, you got to keep fighting the same battle of sin in your life. There are some sins that you may battle for the rest of your life. Did you know that? Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And I want you to notice this phrase. And notice this phrase, the sin. Notice, the sin which doth so easily beset us. The Bible tells us, see, there's a lot of sins out there, but usually there's a sin or two sins or three sins that we keep stumbling on. And it's different for everybody. It may be drugs or alcohol. It may be pornography. It may be just a critical spirit. It may be a go- your gossip. It may be you lie, you know, whatever it is. But we all have sins that we deal with that we have a tendency to fall for. And here's what you need to understand. In the Christian life, you cannot say, but I'm, I'm tired of fighting that sin. I, I, I'm sick of it. No, no. As you grow, as you succeed, as you develop in your walk, you're going to have to be willing to say, I'm willing to fight those Philistines again. I'm willing to fight that battle again. I'm willing to get up every day and fight that sin, which does so easily beset us. See, it's... In, in the Christian life, we have to be willing to fight the same battles. And you got to keep fighting the same sin in your life. Because the flesh doesn't change. But you know what? It, it's, it's more than just that. We also need to keep fighting the same sin in our society. Because God's word doesn't change. Are you there in Hebrews chapter 12? Flip one page over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Notice what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Hebrews chapter number 13. And verse number 8. The Bible says this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. You know that Jesus doesn't change? You know that the Word of God doesn't change? And here's what you need to understand. See, today our society changes. Our society is changing. And there are things that are accepted today that weren't accepted 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. And here's what we need to understand. If we're going to continue to succeed as Verity Baptist Church, if we're going to continue to do what God has for us to do, we have to be willing to fight the same battle. And look, I I understand something you say, well, you know, that again, why, why are we fighting that again? Why are you talking about that again? But listen to me. Today, fornication is accepted. 
Today, it's normal for a man or a woman that aren't married to each other to go to bed together, and you're going to be hard-pressed to find a church that even mentions it or, or does anything about it. But you know what? Whether our society changes or not, fornication is still a sin. Whether our society changes or not, fornication is still a sin against God. It's still something that will get you, get you kicked out of church. And we've just got to decide, I'm willing to fight that battle. I'm willing to fight those Philistines. I don't care how big the church gets. I don't care how big our ministry grows. Hey, we're going to fight the same battles that we were fighting back when we were shepherd boys. When there wasn't a big crowd. Look, we've been fighting fornication since the day we started our church, and we're not going to quit. You know, today, the sodomites and the transgender movement, it's accepted in our society. But let me tell you something. Verity Baptist Church is not Target. Verity Baptist Church is not Chipotle. Verity Baptist Church is not Starbucks. I mean, look, our society can decide this is accepted, this is normal, but it's not going to be accepted here. You say, well, when are you going to get off that thing? We're not getting off of it. We'll fight those Philistines all the way, you say, but the church is good, but you're having more views, but you're getting more money, but you're getting this, but you're getting, it doesn't matter, we'll keep fighting. Amen. See, here's what David understood. He, he said, I, if, if I was willing to fight them when no one was looking, let's fight them when everyone's looking. If I was willing to fight them when there was no influence, let's fight them when we have influence. We got to keep fighting the same battles today. You know, divorce is accepted, but we're going to keep preaching against it. You say, are you mad at people who get divorced? I'm not mad at people who get divorced. It's a sin like any other sin. You know, forsake it. Ask God to forgive you. Don't do it again. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to preach against it. That doesn't mean that we're not going to warn these young people that, look, it's important who you get married to. It is important that you keep a vow that you make to God that it's so death do us part. And society might say, well, that's so old-fashioned. Well, I can't believe you're mentioning that. Well, I can't believe you'd go there. But listen, we're just going to keep fighting those same old Philistines. We're still going to preach that the world's music ought not be accepted in the Word of God. Hey, we're still going to preach that women ought to dress modestly, that women ought to dress nice, that you ought to cover up and you ought not be showing off your thighs and showing off your, you know, and, and, and being exposed, wearing tight clothes. You say, well, that's, I can't, I mean, you, you can't preach that way today. Don't you know that today? It doesn't matter what's accepted today. See, the Bible says that we are to be instant, instant in season, out of season, whether it's hot or not. Whether it's accepted or not, successful Christians learn and don't get weary of just fighting the same old Philistines. Say, we're fighting those Philistines all the way back. When you're a shepherd boy, David says, let's just keep fighting them. See, in your life, you're just going to have to learn to keep fighting the same battle. Successful people learn to keep fighting the same battles. Number two, keep your place there in Hebrews, please. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Let me give you the second thought. Not only are successful people willing to fight the same battles, but notice 2 Samuel chapter 5, look at verse number 19. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 19, and we've got to develop this story a little bit. Look at what the Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord. That's always a good thing to do. He's asking God. He's inquiring of the Lord. He's trying to figure out the mind of God and what God would have him to do. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. 
And there they left their images. Now, I want you to notice this, and I'm not preaching about this tonight, but I don't want to skip it because it's there. They left their images, and David and his men burned them. And let me just take a moment to go ahead and say this. You know, no Christian ought to be walking around with images or idols. It was right for David to take these idols and these images and to burn them up. And, you know, just keep your finger there for one second, but go with me to the book of Exodus just to show it to you. I mean, you should, we should all know this. This is part of the Ten Commandments. I mean, if there's any commandments you think that people would know, it'd be the Ten. But you don't get very far into the Ten Commandments without people already throwing them out the window. Exodus chapter number 20, you got Genesis and Exodus, should be fairly easy to find. Exodus chapter 20, look at verse number 4. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4. Notice what the Bible says, thou shalt, Exodus 20 and verse 4, thou shalt not make unto thee, why don't you notice what it says, any graven image. The word graven means an image that is engraved or something that has a, a, a picture, a, a, a graving inside of it. He says, any graven image, notice, or any likeness, meaning something that looks like of anything that is in heaven above. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible says. That is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And today, you've got, Christ, you know, mainstream Christianity decides that we want to show people we're Christians by making a little image of a fish and putting it in the back of our car. And look, if you got an image of a fish in the back of your car, I don't know it, all right? So I'm not picking on you. But I want you to just notice what the Bible says. Look, look, look there, Exodus 20, verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. He, he, says, he says, don't make anything that is of the likeness of something that is in heaven. So Christians decide, I know what we'll do. We'll make an image of a dove and let that represent Christianity. And you think to yourself, what? But he, he said not to make an image of anything that is in heaven above. Then he says, or that is in the earth beneath. He says, if there's anything on the earth, don't make a graven image of it. And then you got religions today that'll say, well, I know what we'll do. Let's make a cross with a, G a guy on there and we'll call him Jesus. And that'll represent, you know, our religion. And by the way, have you ever noticed there's no crosses here? You ever notice there's no Jesus hanging on any cross? And by the way, Jesus isn't on the cross. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. But you ever notice there's, there's, no cro there's no cross on this pulpit? Better make sure before I say that. You say, are you, are you just against people having cross? Look, I'm not, you, you got to cross. I'm not against, I'm just saying, God says not to make an image. God says of that which is in heaven above, of that which is in the earth beneath. Notice, or that uh, is in the water. That's your little fish. I like to listen to, you know, isn't there a Christian rock station called The Fish? They ever read Exodus 20? Because the Bible says that we're not supposed to. Now notice verse 5, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them got religions today that will go to church and bow themselves to an idol of Mary, bow themselves to a crucifix of Jesus, bow themselves. You don't get very far into the Ten Commandments, and you've got, under the guise of Christianity, Christians breaking the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Luke verse 21 again. Because some of you are like, well, Pastor Mass, I've got... I've got one of those little doves, you know, in the back of my car. <laughs> or, I, you know, I've got a crucifix hanging from my uh, uh, rearview mirror. I got whatever, you know. What am I supposed to do with it? Here's what you're supposed to do with it. 2 Samuel 5.21. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. Just get rid of them. 
No Christian has any, any business, you know, walking around with these images and these idols and these things that God, not in some, you know, obscure passage in Ezekiel that nobody understands, in the Ten Commandments, Amen. says, don't do it. And Christians are like, let's do that. It's just craziness today. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I'm not preaching about that. Go back to 2 Samuel 5. Look at verse 22. I want you to notice the Philistines come. David inquires of the Lord. He says, shall we go against them? And God says, go up. They go. They win the battle. And they, the, the, the Philistines leave their images. And David and his men burn them. Notice verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again. Again, I just want to make the point. Successful people are willing to fight the same battle. Over and over. So how many times am I going to have to fight? Just as many times as you need to to keep being successful in your Christian life. How many times am I going to have to deal with this, Pastor? As many times as you need to to continue to walk with God. Notice what it says. Verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, now notice what God, notice the second response. He says, thou shalt not go up. He says, but fetch a compass. Compass is referring to going around something. He says, but go around behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And here's what I want you to understand. And here's what successful people need to be willing to do. I said number one tonight, successful people need to be willing to keep fighting the same battles. Number two, successful people need to be willing to change without violating the word of God. I know as fundamental Baptists, we don't like the word change. Especially since Obama made it. Didn't Obama make that his slogan? No, change. But you know what? As Christians, we need to be willing to change. And let me make sure you understand this. Without violating the word of God. I'm not talking about going against clear principles in scripture and change. Because see, see today, and you, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 24, 21 says this. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not. The word meddle means to get involved with. Meddle not with them that are given to change. And we need to be careful because there is an entire movement of Christianity today who wants to change everything. Let's get rid of the old hymns. Let's get rid of door-to-door soul winning. Let's get rid of the King James Bible. Let's just change for the sake of change, to be modern, to be contemporary. And listen to me. We ought not change for the sake of change. And we ought not ever change when it goes against the word of God. People, you know, it's like, well, when are you guys going to quit this soul winning thing? We're never going to quit soul winning. Amen. Why? Because God's word tells us to do it. When, you know, when are you going to quit this? Or when are you going to quit that? We're never going to change what God's word tells us to do. But there are some things we need to be willing to change. See, over the years, Verity Baptist Church has changed. We haven't broken God's laws, but we've changed. I mean, I remember when our church first started, soul winning consisted of me and my wife getting in our car with our baby and going out and knocking on doors. And after a while, soul winning consisted of me and my wife and a couple of guys getting in our car and going out and knocking on doors. And after a while, soul winning consisted of 10 to 15 people getting in the church van and going out and knocking on doors. And after a while, soul winning consisted of 10 or 15 people getting in the church van and seven cars falling behind them and going out and knocking on doors. 
You show up to soul winning today, we'll have 50 people sitting here, and we give you a map that gives you directions from the church building to the area we want you to go soul winning with, and it also gives you a highlighted area of what we want you to do. We partner you up here, and you head out that way. You return that map, and we track it that way. You, you say, why did you change that? Because when you had five people going soul winning versus 50 people going soul winning, we just did it a little different. When we first started the church, the Wednesday night prayer sheet consisted of people raising their hand and telling us what their prayer request was, and I would write it down, and we'd take time to pray for it. If we did that today, we'd be here all night. So now we have you write on a communication card, and we print it beforehand. and we, I'm just saying, and here's what will kill any organization, is the people who say, well, we've never done it that way. Some people are opposed to change just because they hate change. And listen, you need to understand this. I, someone said this, a church, a, a growing church is always in transition. If our church is going to continue to grow, if our church is going to continue to reach people, you're going to have to get used to some things are going to change. Look, I already know of certain things that will change in our ministry early next year when we move from this building to a 10,000 square foot building. It's just part of growth. And don't get caught up in this, you know, when, when David goes to God and says, what should I do, God? And God says, go, fight them. And David goes and he fights them. He has a great victory. He, he burns all the images. And then David goes to God a second time and says, God, what do you want me to do? And this time God says, don't go, go around. David didn't sit there and go, but we've never done it like that before. I don't like change. And look, one of the hardest things in ministry is just people who get this thing, but we never did that way before. But you know what? We need to be willing if we're going to continue to succeed. And by the way, there are things that my wife and I and our family were able to do when we are a family of four that we're not, able to, we're not going to be able to do as a family of seven. I'm not talking about violating the word of God. I'm not talking about quitting soul winning. I'm not talking about getting rid of the King James Bible. I'm just saying we need to get it in our heads that some things are going to change if we're going to continue to succeed. And successful people are willing to change and willing to adapt without violating the word of God. Go back to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Look at verse 24. Let me give you the third statement. And let it be. So God says, I want you to compass around them. I want you to go behind them. And he says, I want you to go by the mulberry tree. Now notice verse 24. And let it be. I want you to notice this phrase, when thou hearest. He says, when you hear something. He says, when thou hearest the sounds of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. You see that word bestir there? The word bestir means to stir up or rouse to action. He says, when thou hearest the sounds of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shalt the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. Now here's the third statement, all right? Number one, we said this. Successful people are willing to keep fighting the same battles. Number two, successful people are willing to change without violating the word of God. Here's point number three. Successful people are willing to keep themselves motivated. Successful people are willing to keep themselves motivated. The Bible tells us here, God told David, you need to bestir yourself. He said, you need to bestir thyself. 
You need to stir yourself up. You need to rouse yourself up to action. He says you, you need to get stirred up a little bit. You need to get excited. Now notice when he tells him to do it. He says, when thou hearest the sound of the goings in the tops of the mulberry trees. Now who was that going? He says, then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord, notice, go out before thee to smite the host of Philistines. Here's what's happening. They're coming around the Philistines. They're hiding in the mulberry trees. And God says, when you hear me or when you hear my angels, when you hear my army going up on the top of those mulberry trees and we're going before you to win the battle before you, he says, when you hear of God working, bestir yourself up. You know, one of the things that, we need to do in ministry, and one thing we need to do as Christians is to be careful to hear of the working of God. I mean, just this week, somebody was telling my, my wife, and, 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 and she told me, and I won't, I won't give any names to embarrass anyone, but this week I heard of one of the ladies in our church getting their friends saved. And she's been sending her preaching CDs from the church and been sharing the discipleship lessons from uh, when she went through discipleship and been, been someone who lives in a, a totally different state far away. And, 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 and when you hear, I had somebody else, uh, I was talking to somebody this week and they were telling me how they, they believe that God brought them to this church. They were already saved when they got here, but God brought them here to mature them and to allow them to take part of something meaningful with their life. That's, that kind of stuff stirs me up. When I hear about people growing, when I hear about people changing, when I hear about people getting sin out of their life and people are taking steps of growth and people are doing great things for God, hey, you, we ought to be careful to listen to the working of God because here's what often happens. We're not listening to what God is doing and we get all focused on ourselves or on other people. And we're just complaining about this person and that person. And, well, they took my seat. Ever since the church started growing, you know, they took my seat. Hey, look, you, got, you should be willing to change seats. Be willing to change. Well, they took my parking spot. Look, I'm the pastor. They take my parking spot. I almost quit the church. I'm just like, Brother Stucky, what are you doing in my spot? No, I'm just kidding. And, you know, I'm just like, what? you know, people, and you say, well, I'm going to get upset. No, just be willing to change. Just, 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 be, just stop focusing on yourself and focus on what God is doing. And bestir yourself. Go to the book of Acts real quickly. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're almost done. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We'll be done before 8.15. Acts 17. See, successful people learn how to bestir themselves. Successful people learn how to motivate, how to stir themselves up. Acts 17. Look at verse number 15. Acts 17 and verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. Acts 17 and verse 15. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Notice Acts 17, look at verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, notice what the Bible says, his spirit was stirred. You see that word stirred? His spirit was bestirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. The Bible often tells us in the New Testament that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw people in their need. Let me, let me ask you, when was the last time you were stirred up about the things of God? When was the last time you, you saw someone or you saw something or you saw a situation and, and it stirred you up? 
inside and you say, God is doing something and God wants to do something and God wants to use me. So you know what successful people do? You know people that stay in the ministry for a long time? And when I talk about ministry, I'm not talking about pastoring. I'm talking about just being a faithful usher for 20, 30 years, being a faithful soul winner for 40 years, being faithful to the things of God. You know what those, those people learn how to stir themselves up? Go to 2 Peter, chapter number 1. Did you keep your finger in Hebrews? Remember I told you to keep your place in Hebrews? If, you're, if you have your place in Hebrews, you're just going to go past the book of James. Continue to keep your place in Hebrews, okay? Because we're going to come right back to it. But if you're in Hebrews, just go to, you're going to go to the book of James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Look, Christians that don't quit on God learn how to stir themselves up. You don't think there are times on a Saturday morning, I don't want to come out so winning. You don't think there are times on a Sunday night, I don't want to come to church. I'm the one preaching, and I don't want to come sometimes. So what do you do? You stir yourself up. You, you, you just got to, and, and David's used to this, because back when David was in a low point in life, the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Remember that? 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 12. Let me explain something to you. My job as a pastor is to stir you up. 2 Peter 1, look at verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent, to put you always in remembrance of these things. There are things that I have to remind you about. Though ye know them, and be established in the present truth, yea, I think it me, as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, it's my job to remind you of certain things, though you know them, though you're an established Christian. Why? Notice verse 13. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Go to 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. You're there in, in, in 2 Peter. You, if you go backwards, you're going to go past 1 Peter, past James, past Hebrews, past Philemon, Titus, and 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. We're almost done. I'm going to show you a couple of verses and we'll finish up. 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. Notice what Paul said about uh, Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance, notice that word, remembrance, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Notice verse six, uh, 6. Wherefore, notice, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 6. Just uh, flip uh, back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. You're there in 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. If thou put the brethren in remembrance, it's talking to a pastor now. He says, if thou put the brethren, in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and a good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. You know what makes me a good minister of Jesus Christ? If I remind you of things you already know for the purpose of stirring you up, for the purpose of motivating you, for the purpose of shaking you to do something, you don't have to turn there. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said this. He said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Here's what he said. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. See, if you study the writings of Paul, you'll find that he wrote similar things in different letters to different churches. Similar teachings about marriage and child rearing, things like that. If you study the life of Christ, you will find that he taught similar things at different times in his ministry. He taught, you know, and you think, you know, why is he saying this again? But here's the thing. Because a leader is supposed to remind people about things they already know. See, you say, why do you get up there and you preach on soul winning, you preach on soul winning, you preach on soul winning? Because some of you are as dead as a doornail when it comes to evangelism. I'm just trying to stir you up a little bit. Why do you preach about Bible reading? Because you're not reading your Bible, so I'm trying to stir you up a little bit. 
Why do you preach about the way women are dressed? Because here's what I've noticed. When I preach about the way women are dressed, the dress standards go, go right for okay, a week <laughs> or two or three or a month. And then, and then the skirts get short again. And then the tops get low again. And then you get those tight clothes that you used to wear when you were a teen. And it's like, look, that they, that's past, you know. That was like 30 pounds ago. Let it go. And, and, and you say, well, what do you do? I got to stir you back up. I got to remind you of the things you already know. Why? Because here's what successful Christians do. They stir themselves up. They remind themselves that it is important to go to Wednesday night Bible study. It is important to show up for soul winning. It is important to read your Bible. It is important to do the things that you already know. And here's the thing. For me to preach it to you again, it doesn't hurt me a thing. But for you, it's safe. It doesn't bother me at all. But for you, it's safe. See, when you are succeeding in life, you are a very good candidate to get backslidden. Because it's easy to forget God when things are going well. But you know what successful people do to stay successful? I'm talking about Christians. They keep fighting the same battles. They don't say, I already fought that battle. They say, I'm willing to fight those Philistines as many times as I need to. You know what they do? They are willing to change without violating the word of God. They're willing to say, you know what? We used to do it this way, but now we're going to do it this way. As long as it doesn't violate the word of God, that's okay with me. And they're willing to keep themselves motivated and stirred up. See, it's very important that we not forget about God when he's blessing us, when he's helping us to succeed. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.